the Word made flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Well, good evening. My name's uh, Matt Fuller. I'm with the uh, vicar here, I guess, here at uh, Christchurch Mayfair. And um, I'm very grateful to the choir this evening. Thank you for, uh, I should probably say on behalf of us, thank you for their efforts, particularly for taking the trickier of the carols, leaving us with the more familiar ones. Uh, I'm glad it's worked uh, that way around. Uh, well done. Well done, one and all. Now, I don't know if you saw, there was um, quite a sweet little article in the paper or on, online this week. The Guardian uh, asked uh, people, can you send in your um, Santa letters that you, probably your children, have uh, sent to Santa this Christmas? Uh, and there were some that really uh, stood out for me. Uh, this one, dear Santa, I'd really love a baby born doll for Christmas. You know, the one that cries and laughs and wheeze. Right. My parents can't afford it. You're my only hope. Oh, is that sweet? I think parents may have got it and hopefully all will be well in their household. I quite like this one. Dear Santa, you always bring me cool stuff at Christmas, but you never bring toys. So, excuse me, you never bring batteries for the toys that need them. <laughs> Do you make batteries too in Lapland? If so, it would be very helpful if you could bring them because all the shops are shut on Christmas Day. <laughs> Shrewd. This one probably from an older author. Dear Santa, this year please can you bring me a big fat bank account and a nice slim body. <laughs> and please don't get them mixed up like you did last year. Dear. Now, I don't know how you're doing on buying your presents. It's quite hard to buy things that are really memorable. I don't know, for you yourselves, if you look back, adult life or, child, or childhood, how many presents you really remember? Oh, yeah, I, 
well, uh, probably not many that stand out over, over the years. One or two, perhaps for myself, I remember vividly 1980. Uh, 1980 was, for me, in my household, the Millennium Falcon. That was the gift of uh, 1980, as every self-respecting young man in those days did. I was obsessed with Star Wars, and uh, why wouldn't you? But the, the, that's part of the reason it sticks out. It was a big present. But the other reason was it was the year a certain truth was revealed. My mother found me writing a letter one day, Dear Santa, I had written to you and asked for the Millennium Falcon for Christmas. Can I change my mind? Because I found one under my parents' bed. <laughs> so I don't need you to bring one. Please, can you bring me the Atat Walker instead? <laughs> uh, my mother saw me writing this and there was a, well, let's just say explanations rolled, sadly, on that day. Uh, and things didn't go quite as perhaps I would have desired. Now, I don't know about you, but I think for some people, they view Jesus a little bit like that. It's okay believing one thing growing up, but there comes a point and when the, the baby in a manger, it's all very sweet and pleasant, but no more, no more. I've matured and grown up. But I just want to throw out to you for a few minutes the plea, really, if that's you, to think again. Because not many things are memorable at Christmas, not a few years, a few months later. But the gifts that God brings at Christmas are truly memorable, make an enormous difference to life. Now, we have read uh, a variety of the readings, the sort of classic nativity readings, as it were. But this last one, uh, John 1. Uh, John begins his biography of Jesus Christ in this way, not with the baby in the manger, but talking about, well, I'm just going to look really at this uh, one verse in the middle there, chapter 1 and verse 14. The Word became flesh. God, the Word, became flesh, became a man, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Or if you will, let me put it this way. Uh, three presents. Three presents that God brings or offers at Christmas to us. I'll run through them backwards to the passage. He offers us truth, grace, himself. Okay, just those three. Truth, grace, himself for a few minutes. Sorry, I'll need that. Uh, first then, truth. We love it when people give us the truth. None of us like being duped or lied to, particularly in relationships, uh, but to be hoodwinked, to be gullible, that's particularly galling. Earlier this year, I, I guess uh, back in January this year, I uh, had to do my I'm a, I'm a vicar, uh, we, we're odd things, and so we have to do our tax returns online, not because we're wealthy, just because we do, they're weird, they don't know what to do with us otherwise. Um, but I had to do my tax return online, so as I always did, went online, oh look, HMRC's got a new website, that's nice, clever them, and filled in all my details and sent it all off. It wasn't a new website, it was a bogus one, 500 pounds just for the privilege of using it. And of course, those things, you get so annoyed. Firstly, I was just annoyed with myself. There's a dent to my pride. Taken in by a daft online scheme. Annoyed with myself. But of course, annoyed with these people. You, that's your job. You design these websites to rip people off, to prey upon very bright, very talented, very, very, very able, <laughs> but just occasionally gullible people. It's so annoying. We don't want that. We want truth. 
Can't you just tell it how it is? We look at the politicians sometimes and think, oh, you've halved the deficit, you've, it's a third of the deficit. What, I don't understand how you calculate such things. Will you just tell us the truth? Big numbers, will you tell us the truth? We just want the truth sometimes. We don't want to be gullible. And yet sometimes people are in this realm of who is Jesus Christ. There was a little letter in the paper this week. There's been some discussion about, you know, there's no Jesus in Christmas anymore. Normal thing that crops up. And uh, someone wrote him very simply, Kyle Black from Manchester. Dear sir, I will not be thinking of Christ at Christmas for the same reason I don't think of ghosts at Halloween or the Easter bunny at Easter. Yours, dot, dot, dot. No, I think that's perhaps an increasingly common view. Jesus in the same bucket as Easter bunny Superman and Spider-Man. They're all interesting in their places, but just made up. Fairy tales. Now, I just feel, it's a bit patronizing to say, but I feel angry for Kyle Black because he's been fed a lie. And he's gullibly believed it. Just this assumption, Jesus, not for real. It's just nonsense. Of course he's for real. Now, occasionally people are very deliberate about perpetuating that as as a myth. So I don't know if you got uh, anywhere with Richard Dawkins' book, The God Delusion, is a sort of book that lots of people buy, only half the people read, and no one really gets to the end. It's that sort of book. But if you read it, you'd have found uh, halfway through something like that, naughty Richard Dawkins were declaring this. The historical case that Jesus never lived has been demonstrated by Professor G.A. Wells of the University of London. Okay. Do you know what G.A. Wells of the University of London teaches? Is it history? No, it's German. It's German. Oh. Well, uh, do you know, when I think about it, uh, someone who's got a PhD in German, that's all well and good, but I wouldn't let them repair an airplane. It's just not their field. And someone who's got a PhD in German, I'm not particularly bothered by their views of history too much. Could you, Richard Dawkins, find anyone anywhere in the world with a PhD in history to say that there was no man Jesus Christ? No. Why would you choose to use a professor of German to mount your case? Oops. No, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know if that's just lazy scholarship or being a bit more deliberate, naughty, uh, deceitful. I don't know. You choose how you might phrase that. But for someone like Carl Black, he's just, you know, that's the air in which he's breathed. It's a load of nonsense, isn't it? Jesus, Easter Bunny... All the same. No. Now you won't find a sane historian on this planet who denies that Jesus Christ walked the earth 2,000 odd years ago. You will not. He's true. And he speaks truth. And that's what we need. For myself, I grew up in a family where Jesus Christ was a myth as far as me and my parents and uh, a sister were concerned. So I grew up with Jesus as a fairy tale. It was only as an adult I got round to reading Luke's Gospel. There's a, there's a copy of Luke's Gospel, Luke's biography of Jesus on your seat. I got round to reading that and thought, well, he's an interesting bloke and he teaches interesting things. And golly, there's a consistency to his life. He teaches, forgive them. Forgive others. And you see him dying on a cross and he says, Father, forgive them. And he teaches service. Greatness is seen in service. And he spends his life serving others and gives his life at the end, serving humanity by dying for us. And I was struck. God, here's a man who, 
who taught one thing and lived the same thing, and I don't see that very often. That set me on the path to becoming a Christian. Jesus Christ comes full of truth. It's a very beautiful thing. That's the first gift. Truth. He's full of truth. Second, uh, grace. Jesus comes full of grace. Grace is one of those funny words. We kind of know what it means, not the thing you say before you have a meal or a sweet little girl's name, but grace, unmerited kindness. We don't deserve it. Now, another Christmas that stands out in my mind was the one just after my 17th, or a little while after my 17th birthday. I'd passed my driving test. Hurrah. Because I grew up in the back end of nowhere, and it was all country lanes, and it was all a bit, it was very, it was fun until you were 14, but then it was very dull, and we just lived for the moment we could drive. And I'd passed my driving test, and it was December, and, uh, you know, certain cautions from my parents. Yes, you can drive mum's car as long as you pay for the petrol, but watch out for the roads, they'll be icy. And uh, so one night in December, I was going to the cinema, and I went and picked up my girlfriend with my new driving license. <laughs> and uh, I was uh, probably showing off a little bit, because I was cool and had a car, not mine, it was mum's, all right. But I was cool and had a car and could drive it with one hand. Woo! And um, I did it and went to the cinema and uh, all fun. And I took her home and just as uh, dropped her off and uh, so turned around in her drive and reversed into a tree. <laughs> Slightly less cool at that moment in time. You know, uh, I meant to do that. Uh, and uh, went home. Because I drove home that night thinking, oh, I'm going to lose my driving privileges just a month after passing my test. Disaster. And uh, so I did the obvious thing. I got up the next day and said, Dad, you know what happened? Uh, uh, um, Someone just reversed into the car when we were parked at the cinema. (laughs) That's not good, is it? He came out and looked at it. Oh. Oh. A few days later, I came in from uh, school. I got the car back from the body shop today. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it cost um, you know, a few hundred pounds to get the repairs done, but they've banged it out and they've uh, cleared off the mess. They, they, cleared out the, um, they cleared out the foliage that had got caught behind the bumper. It looked like quite an angry tree that drove into you <laughs> the other night. Thank you, Oh, no, I've trashed the car. I've lied to Dad. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? What do you want me to do, Dad? Yeah, I'm guilty. Yeah, you know. Well, look, here's what happens. I've paid the bill. And I've filled the car up with petrol. You don't need to fill it up, because I have. Here are the keys. Don't lie to me. Now, why does that story stand out in my household? Because my dad's not really like that most of the time. You know, he's a tough love in our family. You make a mistake, you sort your mistake out, son. Dad, I've done this. You deal with it. That's kind of the way it works. So that was just, I don't know if he'd had a few sherries that morning or what was going on. But it was a very different mood in the Fuller household. And he he didn't, well, what has he done? He's not just been demanded fairness from me. Fairness would have been, son, you've trashed the car, you pay for it. 500 quid or whatever it was. Kindness would have been, look, I know you've lied to me, but let's just forget it and move on, hey? Not even fairness or kindness. He was gracious. I've paid. I've forgiven you. I've paid your petrol. That's not a big deal. But it felt like a massive deal because I didn't deserve that. I'd lied to him. Just caused damage. He said, I want to be kind. Unmerited kindness. Kindness. 
That's grace. And that's the present that Jesus offers at Christmas time. And it's one that we need. Why so? Well, I guess most people, if they believe there's a God out there, most of us, sort of by default, we relate to him a little bit like children relate to Santa. Um, Dear Santa, I've been good, please can I have? Or, dear Santa, I've been more good than bad overall this year, please can I have? And that's how most people, I think, assume that they relate to God if he's there. A certain sense of karma, give and take, give and receive. God, if you're there, I've mostly been good. Overall, therefore, can I have heaven if it's there? The Christian. The Christian is one who says, God, I don't deserve heaven from you. Because I know what I'm like. I know what my own performance is. I know my own heart. I know I'm deeply flawed. Can I have it as a gift? Can I have undeserved, unmerited kindness from you? Can I have grace? Please, says the Christian. Not I deserve it, but please will you give it to me? Grace. Now you might think, oh, I'm deeply flawed. I don't think I'm deeply flawed, to be honest. I'm a pretty good, but yeah, we're all pretty good on the surface. Most people who can find their way into Mayfair on a Sunday night are pretty good people overall, pretty decent people. But dig a little bit. To be exposed, oh, that's not so good. I don't know if you saw the BBC carried a story uh, last week. Uh, a chap in Milton Keynes, he'd gone out for a boozy, his work lunch, work Christmas do. Uh, he'd gone out at lunchtime, had plenty of drinks and uh, stumbled home a little bit. And uh, just at five o'clock gone to bed. Uh, and just, you know, the sort of the, the, the sort of deep sleep that uh, a few boozy drinks can uh, bring on to you. And um, unusually, he'd never done it before, but he got up and a slept walk through his house, which is all right, I guess, apart from the fact it was still only about eight o'clock in the evening, all the curtains were still open, and he decided, fully naked, to change all the light bulbs in his house <laughs> while sleepwalking. And having lovely neighbours in his street, they decided to film him (laughs) and take a few photos. Now that, that's horrible. You're all right. You wake up the next day and think, oh, I've got to go to work. And then you get an email and a little Facebook post and you're exposed. And that's just awful, isn't it? Can you imagine that if that was you? How good? I don't know what your neighbours are like. They're probably fine. To be exposed... To be exposed morally, all our thoughts, as well as our actions, the things we've said behind people's backs, the way we've got really angry in our minds or lusted in our minds over a colleague or a friend, it would be so awful, so awful if people saw those things. We don't want God to judge us on how we are. We want grace, unmerited kindness from him. And that's what Jesus offers us at Christmas. He offers us grace. It's full of truth, full of grace, third and last present that God offers himself. He offers himself That's a funny thing, if I can put it that way. But the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The wonderful thing about that is God is not distant. God is not aloof. 
He came, he cares. I don't know about you, I was very impressed with uh, William Pooley. William Pooley was the uh, 29-year-old nurse uh, who, um, from Britain, went out to uh, Sierra Leone, contracted Ebola, and uh, the RAF flew him back, and he was at the Royal Free Hospital in North London, and, uh, you know, nudged up against death, but has recovered now, and uh, has just gone back, just gone back out to Sierra Leone. Now, I think there's something deeply noble about that. He knows the dangers He knows the possibility of damage to his health. Who knows what's happened long-term, possible death. And yet he's gone again. He was interviewed uh, in the papers just before he went. He said, for me, it's very simple. I couldn't stand idly by when others were dying. And I could help. I couldn't, he said. Well, others do, you know. Plenty of others do that, manage to stand idly by while others... I couldn't. And that's what God is like at Christmas, that first Christmas. He doesn't stand idly by. He came in the person Jesus Christ because he could help. Jesus grows up to be a man who dies on a cross. He lived a perfect life. You and I are deeply flawed. He died for our crimes, our sin, you might call it that, as the word the Bible does, so that we might live and have heaven. He couldn't stand idly by. He came, he helped, he died in place of people like you and me. That's very wonderful. But alongside that, just that's the foundational truth of the Christian faith, but alongside that, knowing that God comes and is willing to be vulnerable, willing to be at risk, willing to come to this earth. That matters deeply if you're suffering. Deeply if you've had a difficult year. I don't know what, where you're coming from uh, in your thinking this evening, sort of religious, agnostic, atheist. I, don't know, I guess there's a variety of people in a room such as this. But wherever you, whatever your position, you've got to come to terms with two things in life. Everyone does. Suffering and death. Can't escape them. They'll track you down eventually, suffering and death. And Christianity is, the the message is that Jesus Christ suffered death so that we might live forever. That's a fabulous gift. It's fabulous. And even in the here and now, that gives you resources to cope. Makes a great difference. You had a good year or a bad year, I don't know. For myself, It's not been a great year. 2014 won't go down in the Fuller family logs as the best year of our lives. We lost a daughter. For the last five months, I've watched my father slowly dying from cancer. Not a great year, objectively. Horrible in many ways. But I tell you, knowing that God cares, it matters. Not distant, not aloof. He came. He cares. That's a fabulous gift. It really is. Truth. Grace himself. Three gifts that God offers at Christmas. I don't know what you think of them, what you make of them, how familiar they are to you, but enjoy them. Embrace them. Two final comments. One, if you're here tonight and you wouldn't in any sense call yourself a Christian, can I, can I say to you please, there are only three. There are many, many things that God gives us at Christmas or certainly offers to do so. They're very wonderful. Can I plead with you not just to be deceived? To gullibly assume it's nonsense, that there's nothing there that matters. 
Can I plead with you to take it seriously? Someone know Kerry Packer. Kerry Packer was the richest uh, Aussie um, uh, for many, many years, uh, a massive uh, empire uh, that he built up. He died a few years ago. One of the stories that came up um, in uh, his obituary when he died. It's a very wealthy man. One night uh, he was out on the town with uh, a bunch of mates and uh, um, driving slightly rural, not rural, more just middle of Australia. Not the busy bit, rural. You don't use rural anyway. Rural is an English name. Backwards, back sticks, inland. Anyway, he was off the beaten track. Outback, thank you. Um, he was off the beaten track and uh, stopped at a pub and said, oh, hello, it's me and my mates. Can you give us dinner? Oh, I'm sorry, sir. We've uh, stopped serving for the night. Oh, undeterred, crossed the street, went across to the other pub. Can you serve us dinner? Yeah, no problem, mate. And uh, they had their dinner. And uh, the bill came at the end of the meal, $280. Kerry Packer took out his checkbook and uh, wrote a check for $100,280. They said $280 is the food, the rest is the tip. One condition, before you bank it, you need to show it to the bloke over the road. (laughs) Is that generous or is that mean? I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. Now, what's that guy's mistake? What's he done wrong? It's not that he's said too late to serve food. That's entirely reasonable. In one sense, he's just not recognized who he's speaking to. He's just not recognized how valuable that man is. Don't make that mistake with Jesus Christ. Oh, you see, who's this? Time to move on. Time to. Don't make that mistake with him. Far, far more valuable than that. Oh, if you're a Christian here tonight, you know these things, enjoy these things at Christmas time. But can I also say, show these gifts at Christmas. Show unmerited kindness. End a conflict. Get rid of angry thoughts. Tell someone you love them. Show, give someone a gift without them knowing who it's from. Be kind to someone at work who's a complete pain, be gracious. You know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what he's done for you. And those gifts are beyond worth. You can't put a monetary value on them. Truth, grace, himself. Three fabulous gifts. If you get them, they are memorable. If you got them for the first time this Christmas, you would never forget it. Grace, truth, himself. Let me lead us in a brief prayer. Our Father God, we thank you that you're generous and you're kind. That that first Christmas, the word became flesh, God became man. And you offer us, you bring us truth that we need in a confused world. Grace that we need because we're flawed people. You came yourself. How wonderful that is to know in a painful world that you have suffered death that we might live forever. Would we embrace these gifts richly this Christmas, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.